0: I'm speaking to you on laying our anxieties before Christ. And um, I would like to start by reading from Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. I'll read that for you. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for a raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. Actually, we could all just go home after reading that, couldn't we? (laughs) But we will flesh it out a little bit more. So um, I'll open with prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank Thee so much for this opportunity to be together with these beautiful ladies on this beautiful day. And we pray, Lord, that Thou wilt fill our hearts and minds with Scripture and that we might indeed lay our anxieties before Christ. Lord, help me as I speak and help these ladies as they listen and let thy name be honored and glorified in what we think and say and do. Lord, be with each one of us. Thou knowest our cares and our joys and help us to bring both our cares and our joys to thee, O Lord. Help us to walk hand in hand with thee through life and help us to have the faith to trust thee that thou wilt take care of us in all of our trials. O oh Lord, please be with us and be with all of our loved ones, our, our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, our parents, our sisters and brothers. Thou knowest everything, Lord, and help us to always pour our hearts out to Thee for help and to trust Thee to take care of us. Go with us now, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, this whole area of anxiety, I actually have a lot of experience in because <laughs> I'm very good at worrying. But um, in fact, my husband likes to tease me. He says, when we got married, he gave the whole worry department over to me because I was so good at it. <laughs> but I must say that he does have his own set of worries too. So, um, he's not immune to worry. But anyway, I, I do have to, it's my tendency, so I have to. I have to work with that and try to turn things over to Christ. So, but when I was uh, preparing this address, I it was actually very helpful to me because I, I I just saw that Scripture has such an incredible wealth of of advice and counsel in, in this area of anxiety. So I was very encouraged, and I hope you will be too. So I, I'd first like to ask, what is anxiety, and then Second, let's look at different types of anxiety, and then how do we deal with them. Um, You do have a handout that uh, has some lists of resources, some books on this subject, and then on the back a whole bunch of verses, because I've just got like an hour and a half with you now, but those verses, you can take them home and just... Read them and pray over them, and just God's word is your, is your lifeline. So I hope those verses really help you. So first, what is anxiety? Uh, and let's distinguish anxiety from some other concepts like fear and cares and concerns and stress. And all those have a little bit of a different meaning. So every one of us is, is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He designed us with our senses and the ability to react. We don't just sit there and say, God, you're sovereign and do what you will. No, he, he gave us uh, our faculties. So why? One reason is survival. So let's say you're standing outside and you're standing on some railroad tracks. And suddenly you hear a whistle blowing and that strikes fear in your heart because of where you're standing. So what do you do? You jump off the railroad tracks. So that's, that's a good kind of fear because fear can tell us that we're in grave danger. If we see our child running towards the road, we had better have anxiety and fear and stress and go and rescue that child. So, so we, we, we can deal with that with different circumstances of life. So fear is good because it helps us to take action when there's danger around we also speak of cares and concerns of life. So, our health and difficulties with children and with family. Uh, we care about our loved ones, so we, their burdens become our burdens. Sin has brought burdens into life. That's, that's a reality. Um, and the Bible says, Bear ye one, another burden, one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, cares and concerns are part of life. What about stress? Stress is a part of all of our lives, and a healthy amount of stress causes us to to act in our work in our school in relationships. so stress keeps us going, it motivates us and helps us to solve problems and to improve our lives but of course, too much stress can be harmful too so We all have these fears and cares and concerns and stress, but how are we handling them? Let's say if we're overreacting and we had that train experience and we say, well, I'm not going out of the house at all because I'm afraid I'm going to get hit by a train. Well, that would be a a negative overreaction. Um, What if we have so much worry about, uh, let's say, getting cancer that we give ourselves a stomach ulcer because of, of the stress. Um, that would be a negative handling of it. Um, what if we have so much stress at work that we have panic attacks? Well, then we're not handling it properly. So, but the other way, if we're handling it in a biblical and reasonable way um, compared to with anxiety and worry, that's, that's the balance. That's what we're talking about today. So the definition of anxiety is defined as distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. The root word of worry in the original languages comes from the word choke or to strangle. So this is what worry does to us. So in God's mind, according to scripture, both anxiety and worry are wrong. So how does he want us to handle the troubles of life? If we do it our own way, then we think of ways to improve our situation apart from God, without God, without consulting him. We spend a lot of time and energy, and in the end, we still have anxiety. We may worry about a lot of things that aren't worth worrying about. So that's, that's our way. But there's a better way, and it's God's way. And he doesn't leave us alone. He gives us lots of help in his word about how to handle anxiety. And I would put it in a nutshell, according to what Scripture says, and that's first to pray. And then we do what we can, whatever is biblical and sensible about our situation. And after that, we leave it in God's hands. So, in three words, prayer, action, release. In Joshua 1, verse 9, God tells us, Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou wilt go. Hang on a second. Yes, it's going. So let me read that again. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. So anxiety is actually, it goes against God's will. And it's not pleasing to him. Why? Because it shows that we're not trusting him. We're not turning things over to him. And that's, that's unbelief, and unbelief is sin. So even though this is a reprimand to us, I find it very comforting that anxiety is a sin because he assures us that we can turn our, our troubles over to him. And he's strong, and he's wise, and we obey him by trusting him. So he, he's not a cold and uncaring God who says, oh, let me just take care of it. And he's not scolding us for our ignorance and unbelief. But if we're believers, he tells us with love and kindness and compassion that we can take, we can turn things over to him and we can trust him to take care of us. And that's very, very comforting. But some of you might be saying in your mind right now, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know the big troubles that I have. And you're right, I don't know you very well, so I don't know the troubles that you're bearing. But God does. He has. He knows your troubles, and he cares for you. Hebrews 4 tells us that he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So he's, he's sympathetic, and he cares, and he, he's kind and compassionate. And that he was tempted in every way that we were, yet he did not sin. So he, he experienced... The, the burdens and the trials and the temptations that we have, but yet he didn't sin. So he really does understand. So let's take a look a closer look at the types of anxieties that there are and how to deal with them. But first there there's one situation in life that we should have anxiety and great fear about, and and that is if we are lost or people who are lost that you might know of, that is a condition of life that that we need to be full of anxiety about. If we don't know the Lord, then we're living in great danger. If we would die today, we would go to hell. But there is hope. There is hope for unbelievers. And our anxiety in this way should drive us to the cross of Jesus Christ to cry out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and Lord, forgive me of all my sins. And he promises in his graciousness, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. So he's, he's an open, a savior standing there with, with open arms, ready to take sinners into his fold. And when we do come to him by the power of the spirit, repenting of our sins and believing on him, then we're safe in his arms for life and into death. And from there on, we can be assured from Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good, for those that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. We have a friend, Jeff Thomas. Some of you might know him. He's a pastor. He was in in Wales for uh, he preached in fifty years in Aberystwyth, and um, and now he lives in London. His his wife Yola passed away, and um, then a few years later he. Remarried, So he lives in London. He still still goes around the world preaching. We just saw him in California. It's amazing. But he he gave this advice on what to not worry about. He says, don't worry about unimportant things that aren't worth worrying about. Well, that's probably easier for a man to say than a lady. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, that's true. Unimportant things that aren't worth worrying about. Don't worry about things that you have no control over. Why? Because you don't have any control over them anyway. And don't worry about future events that God is in charge of. So just let God handle them. Next, so when we're believers, then God tells us this beautiful verse, Cast your cares on me, for I care for you. So let's talk about what some of those anxieties are. First, just the details of everyday life. Sometimes we fret too much about stuff like kind of like Martha did in the kitchen. You remember she was busy cooking and her sister Mary was sitting in the living room listening to Jesus, can you imagine? And she she was doing and brewing about this and you know she said, "Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me in the kitchen." And you know the story, Jesus reprimanded Martha instead of Mary saying, "Mary has chosen the better part." So I I've thought about that, and I thought, you know, was it wrong for Martha to show hospitality? Was it wrong for her to feed many people? I mean, after all, Jesus and the disciples and many people came to uh, Martha's house. It says it was Martha's house, so she was probably a type A personality, a real leader, and a mover and a shaker. And they all came there because of her hospitality. So that wasn't wrong, was it? No. But What Jesus did scold her about was for her being so burdened and troubled about all the details. Hospitality is good. It's commanded of all of us. But she should have served simple food without stress. And she should not have accused her sister and Jesus of not caring when she was stewing and steaming in the kitchen. But she should have had her priorities straight. And so should we so we listen to Jesus first and then we do the duties we're called to do and then let god take care of the rest i think sometimes we fret with hospitality about having you know fancy food uh, our house isn't ever clean enough or the furniture nice enough and and either we because of that we don't do hospitality or we fret a lot about it beforehand but no, we have to find ways to chill. I think the best, uh, and I'm, I'm that Martha type, even though my name is Mary, but uh, what I've come to, uh, the conclusion I've come to is to find simple recipes that are tasty, and I've collected a few of them over the years, stuff that you can do ahead of time so that you're not flying around the kitchen right before the company comes, and food that's relatively easy to serve so that when you have people over, you can focus on them and focus on the conversation. So that's my goal. And I also, um, I'm not very much of a routine person. I'm more like, I really get going when company is coming. So I try to use that for good. So I just really get a lot done ahead of time um, when someone's coming over. And um, then I try, when they come, okay, they're here. Try not to worry about it after that. So anyway that's that 's my um, method, <laughs> so every details of everyday life prayer, action, release. Some of us may have maybe have real concerns about about money and be poor and maybe not have enough money to live on, or maybe we have some friends or family like that and we, God clearly understands that situation he didn't he was basically homeless wasn 't he? He didn't have a pillow to lay his head upon. So he understands that situation. And in that situation, we have to pray that God will take care of us, just as David witnessed in Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So we work diligently. We pray for wisdom to spend our money wisely, We tithe because God commands it, even though we think we don't have enough money. And God promises to bless that. It's an act of faith. Tithing is an act of faith. And then from there, we release our anxieties to the Lord. And we trust him to take care of us. And we can find great comfort in the words that I opened with from Matthew 6. That was Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. I imagine that's probably on that list I gave you. so we know that our compassionate and God, caring God lovingly chides us and says, take no thought, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? And wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth what, that ye have need of all these things. Sometimes we have maybe in our affluent society, we have the opposite problem that we have too much stuff, and we have you ever stood in front of your closet, like 15 minutes before you have to go somewhere, and you have a closet full of clothes, and you say, I don't know what to wear. <laughs> and it, it can be stressful to have too much stuff. And, and that's another kind of problem that we can, we can lay before the Lord. We can pray for, have a simple lifestyle, not accumulate too much stuff. Not be too focused on materialism, but simple, simple wardrobe and a simple lifestyle. And I, I really believe that's more God glorying rather than having um, too much stuff, which does cause us uh, anxiety in that way. I think of the parable of the sower. And the, the one seed that was um, cast down and then the, the, the weeds and the thorns kind of grew up around it and choked its growth, and that's, that's what I, that convicts me. That's, um, like all the cares of this world, sometimes the materialistic cares um, choke my, my spiritual life. And just simplicity, focus on God, and that's a much, much better, much simpler way to live. There's a prayer in Proverbs, Agur's Prayer, and it's this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? So if we have too much stuff, we forget about the Lord, and we don't give him the honor and glory because we think, well, we, we earned this, we did it. Or the other extreme, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So a middle ground um, it, it is good, and if we do have plenty of money and material goods, I mean that 's just an opportunity for us to share with god 's kingdom in whatever ways God calls us to, so using our our material goods for good is is a beautiful thing that also relieves our anxiety rather than spending it on ourselves it's like what do I buy you know because you 've got so much money spend it on God's kingdom, and that's 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 a beautiful feeling. Next, the another group of anxieties is about our safety and health. I think this is the one that I'm the most uh, guilty of having anxiety about this. I read a story or hear on the news of some freak accident, and I think that's going to happen to my kids or my grandkids, and even though it hasn't happened in the past and we've been kept safe. I think, well, you never know, this could happen. So I'm, you know, family gatherings, everybody's sitting around a circle and I'm hovering around the grandkids making sure they don't get hit by a car and and stuff like that. And I I can't relax. And so anyway, lay in bed sometimes night thinking about those things that can happen. But I've got to leave that over to the Lord. I've got to pray. And, you know, action, if I see danger, of course you act, and then release the rest to the Lord. So when we're ill, we're troubled. That's natural. And maybe if it's a temporary sickness, like a cold or the flu, then we're worried about the discomfort and passing the germs on to others, but that's that's a temporary thing, hopefully, and it'll go away. Um, But if it's something more serious, like cancer or a a life-threatening injury, then that definitely causes a lot of anxiety because we all want to live. We don't want to die. We weren't born to die. It's normal to feel sad and helpless for that, and, and God understands that. Even Jesus himself, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat great drops of blood. That, that was stress because He knew he knew what was coming. But then what did he do with it? He turned it over to the Lord. And his suffering was much deeper than ours will ever be, but he understands, he understands what we're going through with with these kinds of anxieties. So that's comforting. So what should we do? We pour out our sorrows to our Heavenly Father, just as he did. And he said, Lord, I don't want to go through this, but if it's your will, then let your will be done. And he invites us in Psalm 50, verse 15, this is one of my favorite verses, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. So, prayer. Then we take action. Whatever medical means are available for what's wrong with us, of course, we use them. Maybe we have to adopt a healthier lifestyle. Um, Whatever it takes, we use the means, the medicine. But then after we've done everything to help our own health, we we pray, we release it to the Lord and pray again, pray again, pray without ceasing, pray with faith and trust that God will take care of us. We can take comfort in the words uh, that Jesus spoke to Jairus, when the ruler of the synagogue, whose daughter was sick, and then she had died. Remember that story? Jairus had come to uh, Jesus on the way, and Jesus said, okay, I'll go with you. And then on the way, someone touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and Jesus stopped there to help that lady and meanwhile Jairus is is waiting and it's almost like the ambulance is coming to your house and it stops on the way to help someone else like no i need you i need you and then sure enough someone comes to Jairus and says don't bother the master your daughter just died and oh but what did Jesus say to him he said fear not only believe and Jesus healed his daughter when he came to his house. But we might answer, well, Jesus doesn't do miracles like that, like he used to, and that's true. But his promise is still with us, and he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And he assures us when we are his, he says, Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. That's Romans 14, verse 8. So remember again, prayer Action, release. Another group of worries in family is uh, family and relationship worries. So maybe some of you are single and may be worried you would like to find a godly husband and haven't found one yet. Some of you may be married and want children and don't have children yet. And some of you may be married and have marriage troubles if we're parents, we, we always have anxieties about raising our, raising our children and our grandchildren. Are they uh, following the ways of Scripture? You might say, My children are disobedient, or I'm worried about my children. They're going to follow the ways of the world. There's such a lot of temptation and just bad stuff out there today. I think every year just gets so much worse. It's just, it's like our world has gone bonkers. And when we have children or grandchildren being raised in this kind of environment, you just worry about the influence. But, but we have to pray that God's arms will be a protection around them, that they follow God instead of the world. So uh, the details can be endless, and I don't have time to answer every detail, but there's some general biblical principles. So first, whatever God's providence is in your life, That's it. God has planned this. He knew it from the beginning. Accidents don't happen with God, so his providence is real, and your pathway of life is his providence. And remember what we read at the beginning. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him knowing. Isn't that comforting? He knows your circumstances right now, and he knows that he's in control of your life. So if you're single or you know someone who's single... That's his providence right now, as Elizabeth Elliot says. Are you single? And you say you don't have the gift of singlehood. Well, if you're single, you do have the gift of singlehood right now. And um, I, I didn't get married till I was 29, and I thought I thought I wasn't going to find Mr. Wright. <laughs> Instead, Reverend Wright found me, and <laughs> and it was worth. He was worth the wait. I call him like he said last night, the BMW, the best man in the world. And um, my I didn't have much faith when I was waiting, though. I was like bemoaning my singlehood, thinking of myself as a spinster. I still have dreams like that sometimes, <laughs> that I'm uh, the age I am and I'm an old maid. Not that old maids are bad, no. But I should have had more faith. I should have had more faith and just followed God's will, and lived with gusto for the Lord while I was waiting. So I, I'm ashamed that I, I didn't have more faith, but the Lord answered more than answered my prayers. And I had pretty a pretty lofty list of what I was looking for in a man. So um, what if you're in a situation, okay, if you're single, I think single women, have a they should put themselves in a way where they can meet a godly young man, um, I mean, the world, they go to singles bars and they meet online, internet and stuff. So go to conferences, go to whatever church you're in. Hopefully there's single people. And, uh, yeah, you can use the means. Um, But I still think the man should be in charge and be the leader. (laughs) Anyway, um, for someone who doesn't have uh, children, who has troubles with infertility, keep praying, use the medical means, and and release the future to the Lord. If you're in a situation or you have friends with marriage troubles just pray fervently for God's guidance, follow his plan uh, follow his word, be obedient and in, in follow the model of the church Christ model for marriage, get counsel from a godly person and, and release the future, release everything to the Lord um, for child rearing and also guiding our grandchildren prayerfully follow the the principles that God gives us in his word. Uh, We need to parent with lots of love, yet realizing that love also means we discipline our children because they're sinners. We train them, we discipline them in the way uh, that God would have them to go. We're firm, yet wise and reasonable and loving. And we set an example to them of honesty and diligence, humility, kindness, and most of all, godliness. So we, we make sure that God is number one in our, our lives. And I, I, I realize I'm probably speaking more to grandparents here than, than parents, but um, children are watching, and that example of godliness is, is apparent. And grandparents can have more impact than they might realize. So we, we show our love and affection and excitement for God and so that they see the beauty of God and that they see His grace. We're affectionate together with our spouse, because that's a good example, and we're affectionate to our children so that they feel loved and secure. And during times when we feel helpless or stressed, we we seek guidance again from Scripture, lean hard on God in prayer, and trust Him to take care of our, our precious and dear children. But some of you might say to all these anxieties, I pray, I feel better for a little while, but the worries always come back. I just say, just pray again. Pray without ceasing. Pour your heart out to the Lord. And, you know, God keeps us kind of on a short leash with our anxieties. I always, I heard someone say, worry is like being in a rocking chair. You you have lots of motion, but you don't get anywhere. (laughs) So, but for me, worry is something that keeps me close to the Lord. So we, I... We keep praying, I keep praying, and that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We pour out our heart, heart to God. Um, we can read stories of encouragement in, in the Gospels, and I think of the, the father of the demoniac boy who came to Jesus for help. And Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible with him that believeth. And then the father replied very honestly He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief, and God is compassion, compassionate to that. Like, oh, I believe, but I don't believe. Lord, help me. So, and He understands. He really understands, and He can give stronger faith. Uh, my favorite prayer, um, especially when the kids were growing up, w- was the the uh, prayer of the mother of the uh, Canaan, whose daughter was grievously vexed with the devil, and she came to Jesus, and she was kind of an outcast, cause she was a Canaanitish woman, and she asked for help, and first Jesus ignored her, and then she said, um, or he said something like, well, the dogs eat, uh, eat from the crumbs, you know, she basically called her a dog because um, he wasn't giving her what she needed, and she said, Lord, just give me some crumbs, give me some crumbs, and then he finally gave her what what she needed and he was he was testing her he, so he was drawing her and pushing her at the same time but really inside he was drawing her but her prayer was Lord help me and that was my favorite prayer especially when the kids were young because sometimes that's all I had time for. <laughs> and uh, it's easy to cry out. Sometimes the kids would say, what would you say, Mom, when I was working in the kitchen? Oh, I'm, I just said, Lord, help me. <laughs> they probably thought, well, oh, what did I do now? Why does she need so much help? <laughs> but it's like, like that chain that my husband was talking about yesterday. Lord is one chain, one link. Help is the connection between us and God, Jesus Christ, and help me, this poor sinner. Lord, help me. covers everything, my favorite prayer. So, all these anxieties that I've uh, described are real, and the problems can be big, and you know this, and God knows it too. But also, God is bigger and stronger than all of our problems, any problem we have, past, present, future. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. So that even though we think sometimes our life is a shadow, because we've got dark, depressing things happening, but if we think of it as we're under the shadow of His wings, under the shadow of the Almighty, then we, there's just so much comfort in that. God is caring and compassionate. And the Bible is just a goldmine of wisdom, and wealth of help. So search its pages and find those special texts that apply to your situation. Write them on a paper, write them on your heart. Maybe you had an index card and in your car on your fridge or whatever and, and repeat them and pray them back to God and they will carry you and he will carry you through the hard times. Finally, emotional and mental and spiritual anxieties can trouble us. And life can be hard. It can be a veil of tears. But there's 60 times in scripture that God says, fear not. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, he strengthens us by saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. He also encourages us in Psalm 43 verse 5 why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou disquieted within me hope thou in god for i shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my god and so he encourages us lift up and and go to god hope in god remember this is from hebrews 12 verse 11 Remember that no chastening or affliction for the present seems joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto those who are exercised thereby. So God understands that whatever troubles we're going through, it's no fun. That's reality. He knows that. But when we're exercised by it, when we're brought closer to God through it, then it gives us this peaceable fruit of righteousness into In us, and often you meet people who have had very hard times, and they look back on it that's afterward and they say, It was a good time because I felt so close to the Lord. So, God can use hard times to draw us close to Him, and us draw close to Him in our hearts. Why? Well, sometimes we the reality is that we wander away when things are easy and things are good. We don't need him as much, and we go on our merry way, and we rely on ourselves. And sometimes he needs to draw us back. Other times we're walking close with him, and it's just his sovereign will that he decides to give us trials and burdens. But part of that sovereign will might be that we have to help someone else in the future with that same issue. That's definitely one way that God works. And the end result is that we need him more, and we love him more than before when he sanctifies it, and that's a good thing. So in conclusion, I'd like to leave you with just a couple uh, miscellaneous parting thoughts. Remember Paul, first, uh, the first thing is, remember Paul told us, be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made to God. And that's in Philippians 4, verse 6. So that interesting word is inserted in there, with thanksgiving. So when our hearts are humble, and we're thankful for what God has given us, knowing that we're sinners, then we see the good things in our lives that we should thank him for. We don't deserve these gifts, so we we lay our anxieties before him, knowing that he's gracious and we're sinners, and we're we're thankful for him and that's a good place to be a, a, a humble place to be so the the brightness of his blessings shining in our lives causes our troubles to become dimmer and smaller and that's a big help uh, secondly i believe that godly music i'm i'm not Super musical, I can sing soprano. That's about all. I can't play an instrument, and I can't sing parts. But I love music, and I think godly music is just—it's—it's it's like a balm of Gilead to our, our our souls, especially psalms and hymns that are don't don't. I'm not talking about heretical music. <laughs> I'm talking about stuff that's biblically based that can just draw our hearts so close to to God. I used to um, feel a little guilty sometimes during a sermon. I, I would come out of it. And I get more fed more from the songs than the sermon. And that's not good being married to a minister. But um, then I realized, hey, heaven is full of music. So music is a good, godly, and God-glorifying thing. So use godly music to encourage yourself and sing to yourself through the day. When my second, second year of teaching, I had quite a hard assignment. I had Taught second year or second grade in the morning and eighth grade in the afternoon, and um, the eighth graders. There was one one kid in there who was <laughs> he had no interest in learning. His only desire was to disrupt the class, and he'd do you know all these bodily noises and and make comments that were obscene and draw obscene pictures, and um, it was just an endurance test. I was not going to let this kid make me quit. It was like I got to get through this year. They kicked him out the next year. Um, But he was there the whole year when I was there. And I I prayed for him, but those prayers were not answered at that time. But at at the end of the day, I would would either sing because I had had a good day or I'd sing and whistle because I had to encourage myself. So we can encourage ourselves just by singing to ourselves music. Um, I think uh, exercise. Excuse me. Exercise is somewhat helpful. It's a physical thing. It gets the endorphins uh, rolling, and, and you, you just feel better. You can uh, deal with stress and troubles better when you exercise. It just keeps you healthier. The fourth thing, remember, God has a plan and a purpose for giving you trials. He may be equipping you. I kind of alluded to this before. He may be equipping you to help others in the future. So Second Corinthians 1 verse 4 tells us, God comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So we have uh, good friends, a husband and a wife, and um, they both in their childhood were um, sexually abused. And that, of course, is a huge, huge burden to bear, but they've, by God's grace, they've worked through it, and now they they counsel a lot of other people in this situation. So you wouldn't wish that kind of trial and tribulation and anxiety on anybody, but yet this stuff happens, as bad as it is, and they're able to help other people with it. So that may be a purpose for our troubles. Another thought, um, our trials are temporary. We we can look to eternity. He's preparing a mansion for us above, and that will last forever. So we can endure this temporary trial, God helping us. Finally, remember that Jesus Christ is a compassionate Savior. And whatever your trouble is, Peter encourages you to be casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. So... I'll leave you with the words that Jesus left with his disciples before he went to the cross to suffer and die. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So I will pray to close, and then um, then we're going to sing... What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and that's in your uh, Trinity Psalter hymnal number 520, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, but let's pray first. Dear Lord, we thank thee so much for the words that are in Scripture that encourage us. Lord, whatever troubles and trials and anxieties that we have in our lives, we pray, Lord, that thou will help us through them. Lord, use the power of thy Holy Spirit to give us comfort and consolation. And we thank thee, Lord, that thou art not a cold and hard and distant God, but thou art a kind and compassionate God who understands because, Lord, you have gone through the same thing and you understand. Oh, Lord, please give us courage and help and give us time, be a time to help in a time of need. Lord, be with each one of us in our individual burdens and anxieties. And forgive our sins and show us thy love. Let the sun shine on our lives and help us to remember that the shadows mean that we are under the cover of thy wings. Please hear our prayer now for Jesus' sake. Amen.